Just because Iran struck a deal with the international community, that didn't mean that everyone was happy. Tonight, we are going to reveal new and conclusive proof of the secret nuclear weapons program that Iran has been hiding for years from the international community in its secret atomic archive. We're going to show you Iran's secret nuclear files. This is the Israeli Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, on April 30th, 2018. He's standing at a podium, microphone in hand, gesticulating toward this giant PowerPoint. It's got to be a 10-foot-tall screen. In the briefing, he singles out Javad Zarif, the Iranian foreign minister, and the same guy who a decade earlier faxed the U.S. in a desperate effort to open a back channel. This is repeated by Iran's foreign minister, Javad Zarif. We didn't have any program to develop nuclear weapons. Anyway, we consider nuclear weapons both irrational as well as immoral. Well, tonight I'm here to tell you one thing. The PowerPoint slide reveals two giant words. Iran lied. Iran lied. Big time. Netanyahu walks to the right of the stage as the camera follows him. Israel obtained half a ton of the material inside these vaults. And here's what we got. With the efficient tug of a magician, he pulls a black sheet to reveal a bookshelf full of black binders. 55,000 pages. He pulls down another black sheet. Another 55,000 files on 183 CDs. After the nuclear deal in 2015, Iran packed up all the documents related to its once-secret nuclear weapons program and stashed them in a nondescript warehouse outside of Tehran, across the street from a carpet cleaner. Videos, memos, unrealized plans. Somehow, Israeli agents learned about the site. They watched it carefully for over a year, until one night in January 2018, when they struck. Arriving after 10 p.m., they entered the warehouse and used a torch to cut open 32 safes. For more than six hours, they plundered the warehouse of its contents, escaping with more than 50,000 pages of documents and compact disks with countless files. There was so much material, the agents didn't have time to take it all. At the time, Iranian leaders probably suspected the Israelis. Netanyahu was now confirming those suspicions. Netanyahu is using these documents to make an astonishing claim. He says that even though international inspectors and most intelligence agencies think Iran is complying with the deal, the Atomic Archive proves Iran is not. And Netanyahu knows his audience. If anything, it's proven right what Israel has done today with the news conference. And Prime Minister Netanyahu just gave a very, I don't know if everybody's seen it, but I got to see a little bit of it. Uh, That is just not an acceptable situation. They're not sitting back idly. They're setting off missiles, which they say are for television purposes. I don't think so. So we'll see what happens. I'm not telling you what I'm doing, but a lot of people think they know. Mission accomplished. I'm Jeffrey Lewis, and this is The Deal. 
the story of the Iran nuclear deal, how it came together, how it fell apart, and what that means for the rest of us. This is Episode 4, The Unraveling. The Israeli government was well aware that not everybody was going to buy their story about the archive. So Israel's National Intelligence Agency launched an outreach campaign to spread the word on what they'd found. They began by giving versions of Netanyahu's presentation to groups of respected academics and serious policy experts. Oh, this might not work. I don't know. There's too much tape. Oh, no, it's recording. But somehow I've turned on my flashlight. I've got tape everywhere. Tape on my head. This is Aaron Arnold. There we go. Look at that. I've got a phone recording on my head. Don't be fooled. Aaron is actually a very serious and impressive person in my field. He is a former intelligence analyst who also has a PhD. My name's Aaron. I currently sit on the UN panel of experts for North Korean sanctions. Prior to that, I was a uh, research fellow at the uh, Harvard Kennedy School Project on Managing the Atom, where I studied nuclear security, illicit procurement, sanctions, all the fun stuff. Full disclosure, I used to direct the same research project that Aaron is talking about, although that was a long time ago and way before Aaron got there. Aaron's experience with Iran's secret nuclear documents starts not in Tel Aviv or Tehran, but in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Harvard was one of the places Israeli officials visited in the wake of Netanyahu's presentation. Uh, Yossi Cohen, who's the, he's the director of Mossad, comes to, to the Kennedy School and gives his talk about the Iran nuclear archive. For your listeners, now is probably the time you want to pause, go Google Yossi Cohen. Because this guy, if you don't know who he is or you haven't seen him, the man is like basically James Bond. He's like gorgeous. He wears suits that are form-fitting. You know, he's former special forces and jumps out of airplanes and runs marathons and, like, has a full head of hair. (laughs) A lot of the meetings I used to go to at Harvard were pretty boring. But this one is different. The idea that Israel has thousands of original documents from Iran's nuclear weapons program, Aaron was salivating. It's, it's an insane glimpse into Iran's nuclear program and how much progress it, it was making. When I tell people that I study nuclear weapons programs, they always ask, how do you study something that is supposed to be secret? That's why we use commercial satellite images and other technologies. We stare at these programs from a distance because you can't actually get inside another country's nuclear program. Unless, of course, you steal tens of thousands of pages of documents from it. Aaron found the idea of seeing those documents irresistible. And Cohen knew that. Mr. Cohen said something to the effect of, if you're ever in Tel Aviv, you know, swing by and we'll show them to you. Them, as in the original stolen documents detailing years of Iran's nuclear program. Well, I I sort of made this flippant gesture of shooting my business card across the table to call him on his lighthearted invitation. He grabbed the card and he handed it to his assistants, and he said, all right, well, we'll see. On cue, an email arrived from Israel. Aaron and five other scholars from Harvard 
were invited to Tel Aviv for a briefing on the Atomic Archive. There really wasn't anything more specific than that. They did provide an opportunity for us to send them back questions that, that we might be interested in. So for example, I remember I, I put together just kind of a high-level list of illicit procurement things that I was interested in. And I think some others had some specific questions. Aaron's not naive. He already knew what Yossi Cohen thought the documents proved. Um, you know, Tel Aviv has a very specific narrative about the archive and what it meant. The claim that this material is uh, de facto proof that Iran's program continues. And he knew why he was being invited. There was always this kind of concern that like, well, is this just a play to get the Harvard seal on, on these talking points? The academic in Aaron was cautious, but the intelligence officer in him, that guy was game. I thought it was just absolutely amazing that as a former intelligence analyst that I would be going into Mossad headquarters. You know, that doesn't happen. Why not? Over the next few weeks and on the long flight to Tel Aviv, Aaron had a lot of time to think about those documents. Would we be kind of ushered into, like, the chamber of, of these archives and, and get to sort of rifle through the papers? Or maybe they would just give us laptops and we could, like, examine them on the laptop. By the time the plane landed, Aaron was really excited. But first, they wait in line. The team from Harvard has to go through security like everyone else. Aaron stood next to his colleague, Will Toby, a tall, laconic New Englander with a long government resume. So I get to the front of the line, you know, they're asking these, who are you? Uh, what are you doing here? And so I give this like nondescript answer, like I'm, you know, here on business. And then I go, what type of business? And so oh, I'm, a, I'm a researcher, I'm here to receive a briefing. And then they go, uh, well, what kind of briefing? And I'm like, wow, this is, and my thought is like, this is just a lot of questions. And I'm like, and, and I'm, the whole time I'm thinking like, like how much of this should I say before it like begins? Because you can't really just like walk into an airport like, like yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally here to receive a briefing on Iran's nuclear weapons. Like, I feel like that would just like raise some red flags. And finally, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, no, look, I'm, I'm, I'm here to get a briefing on, on uh, Iran's nuclear weapons program. And all I hear is Toby, uh, Will, Will Toby right behind me. He goes, oh, shit. And, <laughs> and um, there was just this really long, awkward pause. She was just kind of staring at me. And I said, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we have an official invite. And I think I said something to the effect of, like, you know, from the, uh, the foreign minister's office or something like that. And she's like, okay. I walked on through. Our host had a nice van waiting for us, blacked out windows and everything. I mean, it was just like a regular van, but in my mind, you know, I'm like, it's a spy van. Aaron would have to wait until morning to see the archive. They picked us up at our hotel bright and early at 7 in the morning. We're all, like, really excited. It's, it's a, I don't know, 20-minute drive or so. And uh, I remember um, on the way over there, I had my phone. And I remember thinking, what a dumb rookie mistake it was to bring your phone to, like, a foreign spy agency. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
So, and of course, when you get there, they're like, oh, you just put them in these lock boxes. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, let's put it in the lock box, no problem. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, uh, so, so, you know, so we get there and it's a compound It it actually, to be frank, it really just is kind of look like just about every other office building, like government office building I've ever been in my entire life. You know, after they brought us on, onto the base, we were like kind of walking towards the, uh, executive conference area. After weeks of waiting, after a long flight, and after a moment of minor terror at the airport, Aaron is finally ready to see the Atomic Archive. So he and the rest of the team from Harvard sit down and are shown another PowerPoint presentation. There were also some documents. The Israelis had selected the best ones, the ones they knew would impress the team from Harvard. You know, the technical drawings of like a specific, you know, warhead designs or the policy document that's signed by one of the, the high-level Iranian officials to sort of proceed. They, they showed us some budgetary information and things like that, right? And so I nodded and went, mm-hmm, mm, interesting. You know, you kind of like do the academic thing. It's like, oh, sure. And that was basically it. No Secret chamber, no rifling through papers, no laptops. No surprises, really. Just a briefing and some binders. There's a lot of stories out there that sort of imply that people went and, like, opened up this archive and got to, you know, see everything. And that's just not the case. We received their assessment of what the archive meant. We were to then go home and make of that as we will. Given what we've seen... What does it mean? The story Israel was pushing was that Iran was still, in 2018, building a bomb. That they were violating the Iran nuclear deal. But the Harvard researchers weren't so sure. They came out of those three days with a slightly different story. The archive basically is a chronicle. It's it's sort of the scientific documentation and some of the policy decisions written down about Iran's Ahmad program, which was essentially their nuclear program from about 1999 to 2003. 2003. The same time that Corey Hindustein's satellite photographs were fueling the growing nuclear crisis with Iran. That's when the archive stops. Remember Ali Reza Jafarzadeh? Nuclear sites have been kept secret until today. The dissident who gave that press conference at the Willard Hotel? The one that tipped off Corey Hindustein about Iran's secret nuclear facility at Natanz? At the time, everyone wondered how he got his information. And remember when Corey was hunting for a satellite image? I wonder if I can find it. She noticed that there were already pictures? That someone had paid for those pictures? And I thought, somebody else is looking at this other than me. And when international inspectors told her another country had already informed them, then there were those assassinated nuclear scientists on Ali Salehi's wall. We do not look upon it like you have lost your life, but you have gained martyrdom. Those satellite images that Corey found of Natanz, the U.S. had paid to have those pictures taken so that they could share them with international inspectors who were trying to get access to the site. But Israel? Israel wasn't waiting for international inspectors. They were busy assassinating Iranian scientists. And that's probably why they leaked the existence of Natanz to Jafarzadeh. Because if you're the government of Israel, 
Iran is enemy number one. I mean, the last president of Iran used to call for Israel to be wiped off the map and pal around with Holocaust deniers. It is no surprise that Israel keeps a very close eye on Iran's nuclear program. And it's no surprise that the government of Israel doesn't trust Iran. But whether or not you trust Iran, there is something to keep in mind. The information in that archive, we'd seen it before. In fact, international inspectors and the U.S. intelligence community already knew pretty much everything in it. I think that there, with, with this archive, while I, and I believe most of my colleagues that I went with, would not necessarily assess that the archive is de facto proof that Iran still has a nuclear weapons program. I think that we can all kind of agree that it provides a really interesting snapshot at a, at a very discreet period of time. To a person like me, the details in the archive were really interesting. We knew Iran had scouted locations for a first nuclear test, but the archive told us exactly where. We knew Iran wanted nuclear bombs. Now we knew they wanted six. But more than a revelation, it was a time capsule from 2003. None of it changed the essential facts. Iran had had a nuclear weapons program. Iran had stopped it years ago. And Iran, in 2018, was complying with the deal. That's how experts like me or Aaron look at the archive. But when it comes time to make political decisions, no one asks people like us. Today, we have definitive proof that this Iranian promise was a lie. Last week, Israel published intelligence documents long concealed by Iran, conclusively showing the Iranians' regime and its history of pursuing nuclear weapons. Donald Trump had always hated the nuclear deal with Iran. Still, he didn't withdraw from it for the first year he was in office. Some of his advisors, like his first Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, and his Defense Secretary, James Mattis, they told him that the deal was working. And U.S. intelligence agencies told him Iran was following it. In the end, though, none of that mattered to Trump. Netanyahu's gambit worked. Just eight days after Netanyahu's PowerPoint presentation, Trump withdrew from the deal on May 8, 2018. The deal was unraveling. But that didn't mean it was dead. Iran, the Europeans, China, and Russia were all still part of it. And they hoped the U.S. might eventually rejoin. That possibility that the U.S. might rejoin, that is why Israeli officials kept showing its curated version of the archive to people like Aaron. Because there was still a fight about what comes next. Do we let the deal collapse? Or try like hell to put it back together? Aaron was up for that fight. He relished it. I love confrontation. I, I, I love nothing more than like a good Twitter war. This is like at least 20 to 30% of why I follow Jeff on Twitter to like watch the Twitter wars. I'm at arms control wonk if you're interested. So I was, I was definitely hoping for like some pretty significant engagement. Yeah, some of the fight did play out on Twitter. And while I've been pretty vocal, the best tweets didn't come from me. They came from Corey. Corey Hinderstein, 
who had gone from looking at satellite pictures at a little think tank to working for Ernie Moniz to make the nuclear deal with Iran happen. It's from May 8, 2018. Fitting that I will be on an airplane as the president destroys the single most successful nuclear nonproliferation measure ever concluded. Our team spent thousands of hours traveling around the world to negotiate and then implement the deal at no small cost to our health, family, personal lives, and sometimes sanity. We held Iran's feet to the fire, and because of that, they are in compliance. Iran today does not have the material to make a nuclear weapon, and no boots are on the ground except those of international inspectors who are there 24-7 every single day. The deal is unequivocally good for U.S. national security, a sentiment expressed by former and current members of the security, military, and intelligence leadership from both political parties. That is why I support the Iran deal. It is being thrown away by the U.S. with no credible alternative proposed. This action will have consequences in Iran, the Middle East, and for the United States' reputation and ability to act cooperatively with our allies. So if you get the feeling from me or anyone else that we are sad, confused, or angry, you're damn right. The theft and display of Iran's atomic archive was a real blow to the deal. I mean, sure, Iranian officials were not honest about what Iran was doing before 2003. But I hate to break it to you, diplomats, they don't always tell the truth. When Javad Zarif said Iran never had a nuclear weapons program, he was full of it. Corey knew that in 2003. We all knew that. But the question then was, what do we do next? Attack Iran or negotiate a deal? If what you care about is a world having fewer nuclear weapons, then it does not matter what Javad Zarif said on CNN almost 20 years ago. What matters is what Iran does in the future. But what if you want to just keep fighting? Then it makes sense to keep digging up the past, to keep talking about what Iran did, not what it's doing now. In a world filled with conflict, countries are going to keep building nuclear weapons. They use our bombs to justify theirs, just like we use their bombs to justify ours. It is so easy to get drawn into this kind of thinking, to just build and build. That's how the world ended up with so many nuclear weapons. But we wouldn't actually use them again, right? Wrong. That's next week on our final episode of The Deal. The Deal is produced by me, Jeffrey Lewis, along with Aaron Davis, Mitchell Johnson, and Juliette Luini. Additional help from Jessica Varnum and Ellie Barney. Editorial support from Julia Barton. Our original score is by Hannes Brown. Thanks as well to the James Martin Center for Nonproliferation Studies, the Middlebury Institute of International Studies at Monterey, and Middlebury College. Subscribe to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, you can rate and review the show. I'm Jeffrey Lewis. Thanks for listening.